I'm Dr. G, and for the past 10 years of my life, I've been passionate about all things holistic healing. I've been committed to healing myself and others from the inside out by incorporating some of the most effective modalities for healing the mental, the emotional, and the physical, I've learned that they give us the opportunity to be our most authentic and powerful selves. Heal Thyself is a show dedicated to just that. Today's show is going to be incredible, and I say it every week, of course I do, because it is incredible. Knowledge bombs of digestible information to empower and create clarity on what the highest version of us looks like. Product reviews to provide informed consent so you can buy the safest and best products out there. Better than the first two that I spoke about and you're getting other B vitamins, which are energizing, right? Get off of it, throw it away. And special guest segments with some of the brightest and most elite minds in their field. So what is that like on my nervous system? Six hours of holding that emotion. Here's the earth, here's the mechanisms and mechanics of an earth when it breathes. We would think much different about that asthma patient that shows up. All to create change in all the parts that make you, you, so we can start healing ourselves and each other. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining the show. Heal Thyself is back. Another week, really, really good show we have today. But before I go into what's going to be in the show, let me do a quick gratitude. Thank you for joining. Thank you for taking the time out of your day. So appreciative that you allot your time and your resources, and time is a resource, to putting it into the show. Thank you so much and spreading the word. It's always nice to uh, go on social media and see feedback, right? Sometimes you lose track of you know, just the impact that you can have. And something beautiful I saw was um, a dear follower who's been following for quite a long time. Her daughter, who's nine years old, was watching the show and took it upon herself to do it by herself without her mom, which was an amazing thing to see. So thank you all who are doing that behind the scenes, showing it and tagging me, whatever it is. It's just a beautiful thing to know. And um, yeah, I feel great. Anyway, today's show, what a good one. It's so important. A lot of people ask me, so I did a pediatric shift when I was in school for two years. I really wanted to go into pediatrics. Then um, my mom ended up passing away and I went into oncology. But uh, I love kids. Uh, it's just the dynamic, right? When it comes to kids, it's like they're so resilient. They're so strong and their immune system is growing. It's just, it's so amazing to work with them. Now, I want to dedicate the part of the show on the Knowledge Bomb to optimizing your child's overall health. We did some show on pediatrics. We definitely had some guest pediatricians come on, but I just wanted to give some really good bullet points that we can have if you have a newborn, if you have a toddler, it's never too late, even if you have a teenager, what things we can do to optimize their health. And one of my best friends, one of my best friends personally, one of my favorite colleagues, Dr. Mary Pardee, is making her third appearance on Heal Thyself, except she ain't talking about gut health anymore. We did one, one part gut health, two part gut health, we think it's, it's so much to talk about. She really went in on probiotics, everything, go check those episodes out. But she's coming in to talk about trauma and how that affects the body. And her transition into going into the mental emotional space has been amazing. And I can't wait for her to drop some bombs. So without further ado, let us get into that knowledge bomb segment. All right, optimizing a child's health. Here are a few bullet points that I was thinking about the other day uh, that we can just do quick rapid fire here. Let's take some notes. How do we optimize our child's health? Because a lot of time our pediatrician will tell us some things, but not everything, right? Because the, the toolkit that the pediatricians are working with are based on things that are not 
holistic. Let's go with that. All right. So first and foremost, breastfeeding and breast milk, you probably heard this before. It's pretty essential to a child's health. It's very essential. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them. And they're quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like cojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products. GHKCU and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alituria Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trafalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that have been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. Now, if you're not breastfeeding, I did a show on formulas, go check that out. But breastfeeding in itself provides specific proteins and fats for the baby's development. We know this. But it also provides immunoglobulins, which are the antibodies that help the child's immune system. Specifically, they're getting a big dose of IgA. And it's super important at protecting the body against bacteria, fungi, parasites, viruses, right? But it's also going to help fortify not only the intestinal tract of the baby, but also the respiratory tract. 
right? So if there is a problem with the baby and breastfeeding, a lot of people don't go into the work of what Stephen Lynn talks about, Dr. Stephen Lynn, one of my first guests on the show. And what he talks about is, the, or the, even the Breathe Institute out here in LA, their Instagram page, they talk about tongue ties being a major issue for not latching. And I think it's something that conventionally we haven't accepted and brought in yet, but we really want to check on tongue ties for the baby if they're not latching, because that could be the main reason why there's trouble breastfeeding, okay? And I'll talk a little bit about more about jaw development later, but here's an important point. In our American society, we over-sanitize our children, period. We over-clean, and it's with the intent that we're protecting our children, right? On the contrary, what we're seeing is that it can actually be hurting the child's immune system. Now, this is the hygiene hypothesis, and it's a hypothesis that's based on many observations. Now, I will say as a caveat before I go into it, there's no long-term randomized trials that we've seen going deep into the hygiene hypothesis, but the hypothesis is very much so well-accepted in the community, okay? So kids are not exposed to the same level of germs as they used to be, we know that. And it turns out the very children that were raised with exposure to dirt or, or uh, a diverse terrain, they tend to be healthier over time. And it's most likely because their immune system and their gut are being exposed to a lot of the bacteria, virus, fungi, parasites, microbes that are helping train and strengthen the immune system and the gut of the child. So we worry so much about our child being sick. But for me, we have to let them and their immune system be trained. When I was in the pediatrics shift in school, I was more worried about a child who never gets sick versus the one who gets sick a few times a year. You want a child who gets sick. Not always, right? Not chronically sick, but the, nor the normalcy behind a child being sick is being taken away, right? We have to make sure that our child's immune system, because that's a sign that our child's immune system is being trained and trained and trained. So diseases implicated in over-sanitization are things like allergies, asthma, eczema, chronic sinusitis, food allergies and intolerances. Are we seeing this in children? If your children does fall into any of these disease categories, you want to pay closer attention, right? It could be over sanitization of the home, of the hands, not letting your child roll around in the dirt. I mean, me, when I have children, they're going to be little hippie kids who are going to have no shoes on, long hair, running around, rolling around in the dirt, going out in nature with me all the time. And we've lost touch with that natural play and display of microbes, which, which, in inherently our body needs, especially as children, which is gonna set the tone through adolescence and through adulthood. So the reason these groups of disease are common and it's believed that what happens is when the child is exposed to microbes in the environment, there is a balance of two kinds of T helper cells, right, in the immune system. And it's a seesaw analogy. There's T helper cell one and T helper cell two. You want the balance. But what we see in over sanitization of children is the imbalance of the T helper cells, where all of a sudden you're seeing T helper two cells elevated and T helper one cells depressed, right? Sort of like a seesaw. Right? Think about it that way. Now, without those T helper one cells being trained by the exposure of microorganisms, the TH cells are going to begin overreacting. Right? And I see this a lot in pediatrics, over-sanitization and then diseases of Th2 dominance like allergies, asthma, eczema, chronic sinusitis, and food, and food intolerances and allergies. So my recommendation at this point, keep your kids away from antibacterial soaps. Yes, wash their hands, especially if they're putting food in their mouth, but loosen up the reins when it comes to children in dirt, playing around, rolling around, um, 
I'll talk a little bit about lawn care, but make sure that your child is being exposed to nature. And as Zach Bush says, they're breathing in their biome, which is so important at populating the gut bacteria, which brings me to my next point, gut health. Now you have trillions of bacteria, viruses, fungi, right? And breastfeeding, exposure to nature and dirt and foods are all gonna influence the gut health. But we wanna talk about some gut issues in children. The gut health of the baby is largely dependent on breastfeeding. The colonization actually begins with a vaginal birth, right? It's very dynamic during infancy, but once they become toddlers and early in childhood, it becomes stabilized and that sets the tone for the rest of your life. So aside from breastfeeding, there are other factors which influence health or a child's development, right? Or in their digestive system. It's important to understand that, again, it sets the tone early on. So you really wanna make sure you're optimizing your newborn's digestive system. So aside from breastfeeding, once a child is eating solid food, we gotta understand pesticides play a major role in the disruption of a child's gut bacteria. So you always wanna choose food in its whole form, right? Especially when they're starting to eat solid food. The less processed, the better. Always organically labeled, right? Or, or if you go to farmer's market, make sure it's organically grown if you're on the budget, right? Which is a great way to get a lot of food for cheap with high quality from farms that not necessarily are being able to afford the organic label, right? And those are two essential interventions for gut health of a child, but you got to pay attention to the environmental exposures that are known to disrupt gut bacteria, right? Pesticides, not only in food, but in indoor and outdoor spaces will affect the gut bacteria of a child and again, can have consequences long-term. Which brings me to my next point. I did a show on lawn exposure, lawn health, how it affects children and animals. Um, there was a study uh, that sampled indoor air dust of 120 homes and analyzed 89 different organic chemicals that were identified as endocrine disruptors, not only affecting the hormone, but consequently also affecting the immune system, the neurological system, the gut health of your child. So pesticides, insecticide residues were detected inside the homes, and that was due to the drift or the tracking, right, where they contaminate the air, the dust, the surfaces, carpets, and expose children to levels 10 times higher than pre-application amounts outside. And recent research suggests that even a low level of pesticide exposure can affect young children's neurological and behavioral development. And evidence is showing now the link between pesticides, neonatal reflexes, psychomotor and mental development, and ADHD. So we know there's an elevated risk of leukemia via chronic exposure to pesticides, right? And there's a meta-analysis that we saw in the Journal of Pediatrics. And what did the study find? Children who've been exposed to insecticides indoors were 47, 47 times more likely to have leukemia and 43% more likely to have lymphoma. That's incredible. So this is why I stress a lot about environmental medicine, what's outside in the lawns, what's being tracked inside. So we want to make sure that not only are we looking at the child as a whole, their physical health, but also what is the environment they're in and how do we optimize that? And talking about outside stimulus, like the environment, what about electronics? There was a landmark study by the NIH. It was a $300 million study that showed MRI scans to track the brain changes in children who use cell phones in varying amounts. And the children who use electronic screens more than seven hours a day had changes in the prefrontal cortex of the brain. Right? And this is responsible for complex cognitive behavior, like planning, behavior, speech, logical reasoning in your child, decision-making, and expression of their personality. This is the part of the brain that controls the internal goals 
to create thoughts and actions behind it, right? So kids are found to have lower cognitive skills versus the kids using electronics two hours a day. So two hours versus seven hours a day. So again, we want to optimize our child's health, but I see it all the time. There's a kid in a stroller and they have the iPad and they're watching cartoons, but it's right to their face, right? And then they get home, they eat, and then they get back on the iPad and then they watch TV. And this could be, this can easily be up to seven hours a day. My recommendation is if your child is using electronics, wait till it's three or four years old, your child, and then do it no more than two, three hours a day. Get them outside, get them in nature, get them rolling around, get them playing with to toys like I did in the 80s, right? This is going to be really important for brain development as well as food. So pound for pound, children eat more food than any age group. Therefore, they're exposed to more pesticides than any other age group. Children ages 6 to 11 are going to have the highest level of pesticides in their blood than all other categories of children based on the research from the CDC. Right? A few key points that I mentioned before. Go to the farmer's market. Find someone that locally grows the food if you're on a budget. And you can get the most amount of nutrients for the cheapest amount of dollars. Right? And that's important. Think about bang for the buck. Make sure your child is eating the colors of the rainbow. And get their palate used to different flavors early on, right? A child's palate is often uh, becoming narrowed at an early age because they're exposed to the same types of foods that are high in salt, high in fat, and sweet. Think about it. Food scientists for big companies, they create some of the most processed foods that are on the store shelves. They found the bliss point where scientifically it's exciting a child's brain every single time he or she is exposed, right? So all the more reason to avoid processed foods. Get your child used to different tastes, right? Get them used to early on the taste of bitter, the taste of fermented foods, the taste of pickled food, right? The taste of vegetables, fruits that are less sweet. This is how you broaden their palate. So by the time they're five, six, seven, eight years old, they have a diverse array of foods. And the diversity of foods is going to be essential for gut health, right? Think about it. Gut health is largely dependent on two things, fiber and diversity, Right? And when a child's diet is super narrow because they have become addicted to the bliss point of salt, of fat, of sugar, their palates become narrow. And then all of a sudden you want to introduce these foods and you got a big problem on your hands. So as a child begins to eat more, ask the doctor, when can we start introducing more fiber and make sure you're diversifying? Here's some more bonuses. There is an over prescription that is out there for children for antibiotics. I think it's ridiculous. Dr. Joel Gator came on the show and spoke about how there's an overprescription of antibiotics and children's gut are being affected and they're being put out like candy. And it's a problem. It's a problem for me because even when a child is suffering with a viral infection that may come, that may go pretty fast, they're being prescribed antibiotics with the assumption that it's a bacterial infection. And it's a big problem, right? Because Antibiotic resistance is a thing, yes, but also it's destroying their gut bacteria for years on end, right? The amazing thing is that a child's body is very much so resilient, right? So it'll be able to bounce back. But there's a lot of pediatricians out there that I don't agree with their practices. They are overprescribing every time a child's sick. We go, oh my God, my child's sick. This is a problem. When in, in reality, I would like to see a child sick once or twice a year. Their immune system is getting strong but they rush to the pediatrician. The pediatrician goes, oh, you know, I, I don't want to have any liability on my hands. Let me make sure I do my due diligence and give an antibiotic. But that's, that's like shooting an atomic bomb at an anthill. And it's a problem, right? Because a lot of the time, these things just come and then they go naturally. So I'm not saying don't take antibiotics. I am saying there's, they're being overprescribed 
and they need to be more intentionally used when it comes to a child's health. So work with a pediatrician where that's that's not their number one go-to. It shouldn't be. Work with actually a pediatrician who knows what evidence-based natural supplementation we can use to not only strengthen the immune system of a child, but if the child gets sick, we know we can support the body. And if and then if that's not working, then you go to the bigger guns. You go to that atomic bomb. But man, pump the brakes, pediatricians. All right. And lastly, jaw and mouth development, super important for long term. We don't think about it. I talked about tongue ties before, but the jaw development of the child is largely due to a few things. Fat-soluble vitamins, so, 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 so important. You want to make sure, that's why I said diversity, fatty, rich foods early on for the child is going to be really important at developing the maxilla and the mandible of the jaw such that it's able to accommodate the teeth, right? If you think how much we extract teeth, we have to think about why. Why is there not enough room in the mouth, right? And then you look at the work of Weston A. Price, who traveled the world, he saw indigenous populations having accommodation of all of their teeth, right? Having large palates. And, and what that's doing is creating space for better breathing, right? And that brings me to the point of looking at children and they have, go, go look at Dr. Stephen Lin's page. Uh, and I've had him on the show, an incredible dentist, but he actually has pictures of a child whose jaw is not developed. And you'll see, once you see that picture, you can't unsee it because then you'll go, wait a minute. I know people in my middle school that look like that and my high school that look like that. My child looks like that. My, my, my niece, my, my nephew, they look like that. But you'll see the uh, recession of the jaw. You'll see usually dark spots under the eye. You'll see, you'll see what happens to the face when there's a lot of mouth breathing versus nasal breathing. So you really want to teach your kid the importance of mouth breathing. And then if there's any anatomical issues, getting them fixed early on. And lastly, vitamin D, sunlight, getting closest to nature. Have your kid crowned. For God's sake, take off their shoes, have them run around, let them get, be exposed to the vitamin D, midday sun, protect them, yes, if they're outside for a long time, but man, they need to be exposed to that vitamin D. Have them run around naked if that's the case, but make sure they're getting enough vitamin D. It's so essential for immunological development, gut development, strengthening the bones of the child. More, I'm going to say this right now, more important, this is such a myth, drinking milk for children. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. The marketing strategy and campaigns behind that are I did a whole show on milk and and just how egregious it is. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? And experience of proof that it's not only delicious, but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best. And then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well-being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health-focused principles backed by solid, scientific, research-based, rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty-grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity. And this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures 
so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy, boosting compounds with every sip. Purity coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roast with sweet fruity notes and their dark roast with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been open that I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights. And these are staples. And, I, and not just me, I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle, staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. More important for bone development in children than milk, way more important than milk, is a combination of vitamin D and movement exercise. The stress of movement exercise on the bones is going to cause it to become stronger and vitamin D is going to be able to enrich it, especially with other, when I talk about diversity of foods, you're going to get a lot of minerals that are going to be able to fortify the bones too. So there you go. Those are some of my favorite tips. Think about it. Everyone knows someone with a kid. So even if you don't have a child like me, uh, you don't have a niece or nephew like me, I still have a lot of friends who got young babies out there and I'm going to send them this show. Make sure you do it um, for the people you care about. And I really hope that helped. lucky am I to have one of my best friends as a guest today and she is also simultaneously breaking the record being on this show three times Mary I don't know how you do it I don't know how you weasel your way into my show (laughs) (laughs) it's me actually asking you can you please come on my show but thank you for coming on for the third time thank you for having me yeah okay cool we're friends we are right okay now we're officially friends now we're officially friends public public we've made it official our friendship and this is the third time you're on the show Mm -hmm. we spoke about gut health we did two parts on gut health Mm -hmm. because it's that expansive Mm -hmm. but now 
you found this fiery passion for mental emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I share that with you because you shoot, I'd be talking about it all the time on here. This is the importance of that. Yes. And I guess before we get serious on this, wh- what? Okay, wait. Let me just stop before we get into the trauma. Are you having a good day? I am having a good day. I'm feeling goofy and giggly. So goofy I have and giggly. To, like transition into something serious. I think. Okay. 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 <laughs> Let's get very serious now. Okay. No. What What sparked all of a sudden? I mean, you love gut health. I know you've been the expert on that and the authority. But what sparked your interest to go into this realm of mental, emotional, how trauma affects the body, how trauma affects the way you show up in the world? What was Was there one thing that happened? Uh, whew. uh we're gonna go in deep yeah let's go deep let's do it yes there there was one thing that sparked it for me and it's the same as gut health for me in terms of it was my personal healing journey Mm -hmm. um but i had um somebody pass away that was very close to me an ex-boyfriend and that happened two and a half years ago now and that really was like the catalyst of me diving into this world and um i remember the the day after, two days after, a week after he passed away, I was 100% sure I was going into the mental health world. I was like, I need to do something. Because mm. a lot of his story and how he he overdosed um, and why that came to be was around, obviously, mental health. Addiction is mental health. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was just pivotal. It was like, this is something that, you know, at, this is actually what we'll probably talk about today too, but like I needed to create meaning out of his loss and the grief process for me, like I needed that to be meaningful. I needed to put purpose to it um, for me to be able to actually move through that trauma myself. And so this is kind of me coming into that saying, this is the meaning, this is the purpose of his death for me mm-hmm. is getting across to other people how you can move through trauma and how you can have it not affect your physical health. Mm-hmm. It is a possibility. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are carrying whether or not we know it, some trauma, whether mm-hmm. from childhood, adolescent, young adult, adult, and it's affecting our physical health, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about that enough as doctors across the board. But what are some things that we see connected to trauma when it comes to physical? Does it just matter on the constitution of the person? But is there something that's really common that you're like, it, it might not be just that? Yeah. Um so this is a bold statement, but I think the majority of chronic disease is stemming from trauma. Um, majority. There's a couple exceptions there, but I think the majority of chronic disease, so things that have been chronic, stems from some sort of trauma. I think lifestyle things have to have a big part of that, too. You could say, oh, well, it's just because they're overeating that they're diabetic. Well, why are they overeating? Like, if you keep asking the question why... A lot of the times, I would say the majority of the time, stems from some sort of mental, emotional, spiritual um, misalignment or trauma that originated. Ooh, that's a bold statement. It's a bold statement. I remember when I was seeing cancer patients during residency, we didn't ask about that because we had sort of like had a mental health department, like a mind-body department. Mm -hmm. But when I started taking over, I was like, holy shit, like people are carrying so Mm -hmm. much stuff. And a lot of the patients were doing the best diet. Man, they had the best supplement protocol I put them on. They were working out. They were doing everything. But it wasn't until like, let's say, the forgiveness that they haven't really explored with their dad. I, I mean, I, I remember this one lady in particular, she, we just started talking about it and I could see like her, I could feel her energy change. She was completely fine talking about vegetables. Mm. But then when I got into that, I felt the room got mm. heavy 
and I could see like all I needed to say was one sentence. She was going to break down. I said it. She broke down. And I'm yeah. like, it, it's on the surface. Like, how does no one see that this is a major part of that cancer diagnosis, which is a chronic disease? Mm -hmm. What makes you think that that plays such a role in chronic disease? Yeah. And I would say that this is my experience just being a clinician. And it was one of the reasons in addition to, you know, the, the trauma that I experienced. But it was also me being in the clinic, seeing people saying there's some people that just aren't getting better. You know, there's some people where it is education, you know, it's just really trying to reinforce like this is what your body needs and then they're able to move there. But people that aren't able to shift out of this chronic disease model, like I started to wonder what else is going on? And that's when I started to really uncover, okay, you know, this guy's been trying to lose weight for his entire life. Like what happened? And it doesn't take long, like you just said, like with that woman, you know, you just scratched below the surface and it was right there. But if you start to ask people, when did this happen? What was going on at that time in your life? Or, you know, what was your childhood like? You can really start to see how closely connected things are. And it could be as simple as, you know, I didn't feel love for my dad and my mom gave me love in the form of food. So then you could see how that could easily go into overeating and depending on food as your form of love and connection and bonding. Mm -hmm. And and so it's like these things that we see that they're almost always related to something that happened to us in our life. But, you know, you can look at when a, somebody goes through an acute stressor, what happens to the body? And then what happens in trauma is that that becomes a chronic stressor. And so those same mechanisms that started with that acute stressor, like, let me give you an example. Tiger walks into the room and... Tiger Woods is very scary Tiger for me. Tiger Woods is scary. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, you're, you're faced with some acute stress, right? The natural response is a startle response. So you have corticotropin releasing hormones, CRH for that hypothalamus. That makes you like stand up on the balls of your feet, hunch mm -hmm. over, be prepared to run, flee. That's also what will get you alert and oriented with the room and your surroundings so you can be present and you have a memory. So hopefully it never happens again. Um, then you have cortisol rises to facilitate blood sugar to increase in your bloodstream so mm. that you have the energy to move and run. You have your sympathetic nervous system that fires. That's epinephrine. Those are your adrenaline hormones. Pupils will dilate. Heart rate increases. Breathing rate increases. Um, shunt shunting circulation to your muscles so you can run. Like all of these things. But also what happens in that sympathetic state is that you decrease gut function, right? It's like digestion is not priority reproduction not priority sexual function not priority growth thriving not a priority we just want to survive urine output even not a priority so some of the things are shut down and some of the things are hyper vigilant hyper aroused and so this is a normal stress response you want that to happen what that's called is that's called allostasis, right? That's like your ability to respond to something and return back to homeostasis. So it's your ability to like regulate, respond, adapt, and then bounce back. Now what happens in people that have had trauma is that we get stuck in that state and it becomes a chronic stress response. Mm -hmm. It's called the allostatic load. So allostatic load means that you tried to respond to something you actually did, your body did it, but now it's carrying this weight and things are breaking down in the body because it's been too long. It needs relief from that. And that's when you see, okay, increase in cortisol momentarily is good, but long-term can create memory issues, can cause weight gain, can disrupt 
a lot of other organ systems in the body. You know, urine output being decreased may increase hypertension, like your blood pressure over time because you're retaining um, fluids, edema. Um, you can see, you know, changes in gut function long term. IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, mm. the disconnection between the gut and the brain that happens because you've been in a startle response for not minutes or seconds, but years of your life. Um, and so this is where like this actual physical connection comes in with chronic stress response or trauma that's been unresolved. So mm. you're on edge all the time, you know, mm. people with PTSD um, or a range of that, you don't have to be diagnosed with PTSD to be on that spectrum. You know, they are hyper responsive to to sounds or they feel on edge and they're irritable um it's because the stress response has been ongoing for so long mm. it can can it's just it's so interesting to hear that approach to physical mental connection and think about how segmented we look when someone presents and we go oh well let's just deal with the gut i guess mm -hmm. you know whether it's conventionally or even on our side 100 here's the best supplements for your gut but like asking the why goes back to like whoa are you in a chronic state of stress wait a minute like mm -hmm. when did this start what happened around it i mean you and i have talked about like some of my gut issues that i had i remember i was studying for the dental exam every yeah. single day hours and hours a day it was super stressful and then my gut was never the same mm -hmm. right it's like carrying that that load and the physical mirroring all of that so you said something about the body breaking down to, to like lighten the load. What does that mean? Like development of chronic diseases then is the body's way to adapt to that chronic load? Yeah, your body is so smart. So your body is smarter than any drug is ever going to be. It's smarter than you can kind of cognitively reason. Um, but your body adapts to survive. So things happen in order to keep you alive. And in one way that your body is doing this is it's saying, okay, I don't understand now if the stressor is still in the room or not. So there's a dysregulation of the thymus, the part of your brain that notices a, th a threat. And it's like, I can't tell if the, if the tiger is still here or if it's gone. So it keeps sending out the message that it's still there because your body doesn't feel safe for some reason. And that's like, if we go into the, that some reason, there's a whole lot of stuff there. Because if you have everything you need to feel whole as a person, you won't get stuck in that chronic stress response. Mm -hmm. When you don't have all the components to being human, to feeling whole, that's when our body doesn't feel safe and it gets stuck in this chronic stress response. It's also because we don't um, disarm trauma as humans. You know, you see a mammal like a dog, they shake after they have trauma. They actually get rid of it from their body. Um, we have adapted in terms of really feeling that attachment is um, the most important thing. So really needing to bond with other people. And so we lose that authenticity of moving through trauma that we would naturally do to adapt to our environment. And so that's one of the reasons why, you know, we get stuck in it is because we haven't moved through that trauma. And and, and is it because we, you mentioned authenticity and moving through mm -hmm. trauma, how does attachment play a role in, in blocking us from moving that trauma then? So we have like two core human needs, right? Gabor Monte talks about this all the time, but it's authenticity 
and belonging, belonging, attachment being the same thing. Um, and we will favor bonding and attachment over authenticity. So we will give up our authenticity in order to secure attachment because attachment means that, you know, we're, we're pack animals, right? We're not lone wolves. At one point in my life, I was like, I'm a lone wolf. Like I don't need anybody. It's such BS. We all need people and, um, humans do like us as a species, we need other people. And, and so we favor that bonding and attachment because it increases our chances of survival. So if you think about it, like if you're in a tribe, you're much more apt to survive than if you're living by yourself in the wilderness. You, you can pool resources, you have other people to protect you. There's so many reasons why we want to be together. And he has a quote too that I totally love about bonding. It's um, we humans have a big need for attachment, but we need to be connected, feel belonging, be loved and to love. Mm -hmm. And that's like the kind of core essence of this belonging attachment style is that you really, really need that. What was your original question? I want to so, well, the so that's exactly, you know, you did end it there and now with that answer, because if, for me to understand that the attachment mm -hmm. trumps the authenticity. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I was going to go into is that you'll see this. Um, one of my mentors who, you know, Dr. Omid Naeem, he gives the example of a baby crying. So this is a great example. Authenticity is just you feeling yourself in your body, being present, understanding what you're feeling and being able to express it. So an example of that is baby is hungry. It cries, hmm. right? It cries to get mom's attention so that it will get fed. Now, if baby cries and eventually when it's toddler, somebody says, oh, we don't cry. You don't right. cry when you're hungry. You know, we don't do that anymore. Then um, there's shame that gets around that. But it's also the feeling of maybe we shouldn't cry. Crying is bad. Mm -hmm. Sadness is bad. We don't feel sadness. That's not how we express ourselves. And something as simple as that, you know, can then evolve into, okay, I'm not going to feel the emotion of sadness anymore. I'm not going to cry. But when that emotion comes up in that child, when it's an adult or a teen, that emotion is still very valid and present, but they can't express it authentically anymore because that was shame. That was said, you know, we don't do that anymore. So that emotion has to go somewhere though, that's still there. And so that can get stuck in the body. And then this is where we can see people actually housing emotions in the body, yeah. which can create physical tension. And that's how we can form chronic disease with that tension, that holding within and not expressing it authentically. Um, but you can see there how that the child chose belonging and attachment over their own authenticity, mm -hmm. because if they chose their authenticity, then they would sacrifice possibly the relationship with their mother mm -hmm. or their father mm -hmm. or whatever it was. And that's survival. I'd venture to say that most of us have chosen survival over authenticity. How we many people we have to at some point, whether it's parents or in school or lovers or something, you know that it's not safe or a good thing to express mm -hmm. your authenticity. I, and I would say that most people who have been on the show, who are walking around the streets of L.A. and all around are kind of suppressed in that authenticity. Mm -hmm. Part of it, would you say part of it is just society saying that a grown man shouldn't freak out and punch a punching bag and scream? <laughs> It's definitely societal norms. And I think there's pieces of it that are just growing into adulthood too, right? So it's, we, we have to start to sift through like, what is it to be an adult? And then what things have we lost authentically yeah. that we actually want to re uncover. So we want to shed the layers, the personas that we've um, covered them with 
again, to like re-identify that true child authenticity that we have within us. So it's a kind of this balancing act. It's like most of your childhood, you want to become an adult. And then your adulthood should really be about like, how do I become my inner child again in my mind? That's the quote. That's the quote right there. Can we, so whoever, whoever's listening, write that down because that's the <laughs> quote because it's so, so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and it's funny because in our friendship, in our community, damn, come the weekend, we're children. We're, we we're children. running around nature. We're dancing all day. You're going to say running around naked. We're running around na- nature naked sometimes <laughs> like, through the woods. Like just, just remembering what, and that's like, our mutual friend Aaron Alexander came here and he sat and he oh. actually spoke about Did he like sit in the chair. He, he sat in a chair for the first wow. time. He didn't squat. And he spoke about like play and like what that means. But like, I was like, what do you mean play? That's kind of, that's a corny word. Yeah. And then and thinking to myself a year later, that's like getting back to my childhood, you mm-hmm. know? And it's different because like we can always say to people like, what was it in your childhood? How you expressed authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. Me, I was acting. Put me in front, you know, and mm-hmm. then you see me do like little skits oh, and I yeah. feel so alive and I'm sure yours was dancing mm-hmm. and riding horses. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it's such a crazy perspective to think about the mental health realm and that point not being brought up to the collective conscious, especially in the medicine, medical field. We don't mm-hmm. talk about it. Yeah. It's, it's so wild. So, okay. So how now people are hearing this and they go, shit, I want to. I want to touch into my authenticity. What happened? When did I lose this? Mm. What are some things? Do we look back and say, like, I was authentic to this point? Or, like, how do we just start bringing that back to have a healthier relationship and and hopefully even restore our health from chronic disease? Now, let's chat about something crucial. That is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements... Right? We have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And, and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Peori's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Peori is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Peori.com. Use my promo code DRG. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Peori. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water or kombucha or coffee or tea. But not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. 
Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up, so easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha, plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash DRG. You're going to get 15% off plus all those freebies. Yeah, I think there's so many ways to do this, but I think part of it is understanding your story. And so really understanding how you came to be will start to highlight what you started to mask, right? And so really understanding your story from childhood up until now, like who are you? Where did you come from? What was your family like? What things, what emotions were not okay, were not safe in your family? Those are the ones that you're masking right now that are definitely there. Um, but who is it? Like who were you when you were five and nobody was watching? Like that's your authentic self. Like what, were you curious? Were you excited? Were you goofy? Um, and then starting to pull back and to deal with anything that masked those authenticities and that's like mm -hmm. dealing with trauma and this is big t little t trauma it's like it may not be that somebody you know you watch somebody die or it was a huge accident um, but it could be a little t trauma that somebody said something that made you change who you are to fit in and to belong again mm -hmm. and so i think part of it is just that story is piecing together your personal story so you have an understanding and put meaning to it so this is one thing that you can see in self-development world where we can develop victimization you can feel like oh my mom or somebody did this to me it's not that somebody did something to you it's just this is just your story and we can reframe your story to empower you to become more resilient so that you can handle stressors in the future to a better degree and so i think it's really about how you frame your story to become empowering and that you can just understand who you are better. So mm -hmm. I think that's one thing. But then it's really digging in and saying, how can I how can I now free myself from these personas? Like I understand it, I know who I was, but I still feel stuck. I still feel like I'm this person and how could I change things about myself? And sometimes it can be scary too, because if you start uncovering stuff, you may need to change your relationships, change your job, change your living environment. And so it's, it's coming to the understanding of, am I ready to do this? And what support systems do I need in place to actually do that? Because once you start peeling away, you might be surprised with what you find. Mm -hmm. And then you can go into the world of psychedelics, which target that default mode network, right? Which is our, I mean, it basically says it, but it's our default way of thinking. It's our being critical of ourselves, mm -hmm. um, what we think of ourselves. Like that's the default mode network. So like tapping into it that way is another option, but there's breath work, there's meditation, there's all these things that we can do mm -hmm. to start to tap in. Simply even journaling, mm -hmm. you can write, like for me, because you know I'm a visual person, sometimes I'll even do a timeline. One time I 
I was, I was with a therapist back in Philadelphia and we had like three sessions and in three sessions, she made me draw a timeline of my life from born to like that day. And it was like crazy to see the colors I chose uh, like subconsciously on the dark mm -hmm. times of my life. I had like dark blues and purples. And then like most of the time I was like bright pink and purple and teal. But to look at that timeline, and this may be working for people who are visual like me, I can see like, whoa, like I was like really happy here. Mm -hmm. And this is when I was like most authentic. Mm -hmm. Shoot, I was riding my bike. I was playing with animals. I was mm -hmm. acting. I was dancing all day. I was listening to music videos. That was, I was last singing. Saturday, right? That was me last Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's funny because you, it, it, it's so powerful what you said about becoming a child again. Mm -hmm. You can go to work. You can put on your tie. You can crunch numbers. But what are you going to do when you get home? Mm -hmm. Right? You can also be authentic in society still. Yeah, people want that more than ever, actually. Mm -hmm. There's very few times where you'll do something silly out of authenticity and you'll be shunned with the right community in place. So some people are scared of it. Right. Um, but with the right community, um, people really crave authenticity in this world of like Instagrammable things, right? Where everything looks so perfect. Like we want imperfection. We want the real person. I think there is something to be said to that because I think we subconsciously, intuitively, and inherently know that the people who make us uncomfortable because they're the most authentic selves, mm -hmm. we know how to recognize that mm -hmm. and remember that that is us. So like, let's say you're doing an interpretive dance in a room full of accountants who they may be pretty uncomfortable if they're not, they don't, they're not in touch with that. Right. And I say, listen, accountants, I love accountants, but I'm just saying, I was just trying to think <laughs> of a really buttoned up job, you know, mm -hmm. and you do it in the middle. They might be like, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. But I think every single one, as long as they're in touch, will see that part of you as authenticity expressed in your highest form mm -hmm. and it'll remind them that that's available for them yeah which is so powerful yeah and because it's okay that's okay to be uncomfortable like for sure that's good all right uh do you know sadi simone mm -mm. he's super sassy spiritual uh, oh yes no, yeah yeah you know venice. yeah he's in venice he came here mm -hmm. and he talked about the discomfort that he brings upon people, not purposefully, but he's just in his authenticity. Mm -hmm. And his route is like art, you know, that he paints his nail, he's got like the craziest clothes on, but I'm sure, and he said people look and they go, oh, I'm uncomfortable with this, mm -hmm. right? But that discomfort is essential mm -hmm. to remembering our yeah. authenticity. Man, this is a good convo. This is good, yeah. The, the human experience is uncomfortable. It can be painful. Um, trauma is part of the human experience. So we don't want to like have this discussion without saying trauma is essential to being human. You know, it doesn't mean that we can't be more empathetic and compassionate with people going through trauma. It's actually the opposite. We should be fully feeling and, and with them in that experience to support with them. But trauma makes us more resilient as long as we're able to move through it. And mm -hmm. the same with discomfort. Like these are not emotions that we don't want. We want these. We want them to stir things up. We want them to create crisis. You mm -hmm. know, crisis is actually how we change and start to uncover that authentic self. Mm -hmm. So we don't need everything to be bubbly and fun all the time. No. And I love that you said that because a lot of us are like, oh my God, I have so much trauma. I need to delete it all mm. to be my highest self. Mm -hmm. But it's that very resiliency that has led us to where we are. Now it's just uncovering and remembering. I think my last trauma I had was with you when we were on the, the quads going through the, the farms, the ATVs. I was the cause of that trauma. That you were the cause of the trauma for those who are listening and viewing and have no idea let me just say this we were in the country <laughs> mary grew up in the country and we got on this atv 
and I was behind Mary, holding for my dear life because you were going 25, 30 miles per hour on those dirt roads, really high up off the, off the cliffs. Better hold on, making sharp turns. Was I screaming? Yes or no? You were screaming. You were holding. He was on the back of the. We were on one ATV. One ATV. Paint the picture clearly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> holding on for your dear life. I think my authenticity is being risk averse. <laughs> if my dad was on the show, he'd tell you that, like on the jungle gyms, I my my brother who's five years younger would run across the really thin beams that are really like yeah. six foot high, and then I'm behind him like a snail, just crawling, <laughs> making sure I don't get hurt. On your stomach. <laughs> on my stomach, making sure I don't get hurt with like you know limp legs, yeah. but um. Okay, yeah, no, just to add some humor because that was very traumatic for me. Oh, sorry. Very traumatic. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. But authentically speaking, it was exhilarating when I got to ride that ATV. You knew you needed it. Oh, yeah, ex exactly, exactly. You need to, you need to, like, you need to, like, feel like you're living. Feel, I felt like I was living. I was going, we were going 10 miles per hour on that ATV. Yeah. And I was yelling off the top of my lungs because I was living. Mm -hmm. Then I dropped you off and then I started to live. And then you started to live. You, <laughs> you, you started driving freely. Yeah. Uh, really cool. So um, w when we think about all of this stuff that's holding us back from our highest authentic selves, do you feel that, because a lot of people are like, oh God, I can't, I can't go to a therapist right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not good at journaling. Like how accessible is it? it is what I always mm -hmm. say is like, Intention already is half the thing. If you intend on it, you start getting those energetic wheels moving. Mm -hmm. How difficult is it to go through this process for people? Is it a big range? Because I want I want people to understand that like it's there for them. Mm -hmm. But in your experience, is it like we're going to climb Mount Everest? I think it just depends on how deep you want to go. Yeah. So I think everybody has access to simple things that they could start doing right now. And, um, and part of that is just like getting into your body, turn the music on, you know, be alone the first time, but turn the music on. Like what happens when you really feel yourself in your body? Like, what do you feel? Mm. You don't even have to dance. You could just lay there and just like be present with the emotions that you're feeling in your body and start to recognize, like, do I feel warm? Do I feel uncomfortable? Do I feel tense? Do I feel <clears throat> like there's like a light in my chest? Just, it's just a body scan, like just be mm -hmm. with yourself. So that's like the simplest form. Um, you can dive in head first um, and really dig into some stuff. And, and this is where the idea of eldership comes in. And so again, mentor, you know, Dr. Omid and I are working on a project, but it's um, through his idea of we need to bring back the elders into our community. You know, old people that are, you know, in the geriatric population, go to nursing homes, like we don't incorporate them into society to our advantage. And these are the people that have the wisdom mm -hmm. that we need to be going to, to say, you know, what do I do right now in my life? They've mm -hmm. gone through everything. Like we need to look to them for advice. And these are the people that you surround yourself with. You know, these are uncles, aunts, um, grandparents, parents, mm -hmm. um, just people in your community that are that are older and have been some through similar things to you. But these are the people that should be, you know, looking over us and giving us advice and helping us to uncover our authentic selves, mm -hmm. you know, like kind of calling us out and being accountable, but reincorporating, reestablishing those relationships in your life, I think can be really, really helpful. A lot of us don't. A lot of them have just lost them, have, have just lost it. it. It's funny because at, at a young age, you know, especially like in our late teens and 20s, we're like, no, nah, I got this. Like, mm -hmm. first of all, I'm invincible. Second of all, I got all the answers. Mm -hmm. I think 
once you hit your 30s you start becoming more humble and i'm like i don't know shit like mm-hmm. i think i i thought i did there's way more to learn about medicine there's way more to learn about spirituality mental mm-hmm. emotional relationships communities but it's such a important point to think about that because they're shunted in our society but you go i mean like Ecuador and Ecuadorian communities, they're living in the, in the house with us. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, my, my, my mom's parents, they were, they were in the house for, they had their own place, but you know, some of her daughters were living there. It was just, it was, it was just more communal. Yeah. We lost that. We've lost it. Yeah. We've really gotten to the point where we feel like we need to be able to do everything by ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, like we, we've created so many apps, so many things, Amazon, like we're all so accessible. We can do everything by ourselves. We don't have to ask for help anymore. And that makes authenticity really difficult because people can't call you on stuff. They can't say, whoa, that's not you. Right. What is that? Like, where did you develop this? Like, what's Mm -hmm. going on? Like, are you okay? This doesn't feel like you're here. Mm -hmm. You know, where have you gone? Um, So we need our community to, to keep us in line and accountable and also to help us stay authentic. How important, to round it out, is community overall? So there is um, a research study that looks at this and they say that social interaction, basically like community, is the single most important factor for preventing PTSD. Community is really important, like especially when it relates to trauma, but community is an essential human need. You know, we talked about those two things. If you really break everything down, like what do humans need? They need a feeling of belonging from their community and they need to feel authentic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the most important. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is people in the community will show you that mm-hmm. and, and provide that space with the assumption that you attract a community that is like high vibration, you know, not to checking their egos at the door, but really allowing that space for all of that, for you to be your most authentic self. Mm-hmm. We're blessed with an amazing community like that. Yeah. This is why when I even did the community show, I'm like, I even went over steps on how to attract the community first and it's starting with yourself. I'm glad you talked about the importance of that. So, Dr. Mary, what are you doing? What are some plans you have going? You mentioned something you're doing with Dr. Omid. Where can people find you? We got people reviewing, listening. They want to. They go, Dr. Mary, just drop some bombs. I want to. I want to know what she's doing more. I want to follow her. Give us all the goods before we wrap this up. Absolutely. So working on a project with um, Dr. Omid Naeem. Who's been on the show. Who has been on the show. His episode was amazing. Amazing. Um, I've learned a lot of what I just talked about from him. And so we're working on um, a project to really help empower healthcare practitioners to use the the art of storytelling and to help people heal through trauma, um, especially in, in terms of chronic disease. And so you'll see on my Instagram page, which is Party, like much more about mental health trauma as I'm going into this field more and more. My company is modernmed.com for blogs and everything that we use. How do you spell modern med? M-O-D-R-N-M-E-D.com. No E in modern. So modern. Yeah, we want to be really <laughs> modern. And hip. <laughs> okay, super cool. Uh, man, Mary, you just broke the record three times on the show. <laughs> I'll probably ask you in another few weeks to come back on so we could break, we could just break, keep breaking records. But um, Love it. What, a, what a pleasure to be your friend. And, and this is such an amazing show and essential stuff. You and I think alike when it comes to medicine. And, and this is, this has been for me like 
root, the root mm-hmm. for so much. So I think this is one of the most important guest interviews that I've had. And, and people, y- y'all listening and viewing, this is this is the route to go. Yeah. Um, so much love to you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. And I love you. And I love you. <laughs>